The title of the message this morning is simply Living on Top. Would you please say that with me? Living on Top. And we welcome those that are listening to this broadcast via television. Lovely to have you with us. Now, as I kind of set the stage for what I'm saying and speaking about this morning, I want to ask you this question. Do you realize, think about this, do you realize that you can experience joy no matter what the circumstances? I wonder if you believe that. Let me say it again. Do you realize that you can experience joy no matter what the circumstances? Hmm. It's actually a biblical principle, and it's particularly well emphasized in Philippians chapter 4. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7, we'll have a look at it in a moment's time. But uh, I actually last ministered on this passage about five years ago. And let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. And I encourage you to read in your Bible, and the screen will also display the scripture as well. But first prize is reading in your Bible. And take note, as we're about to get into the scripture, that Paul, the apostle, he wasn't writing from some island holiday in the Maldives on a deck chair with the waves lapping up against his deck chair, eating ice grapes. No, the man was in prison when he was writing this. And he was writing uh, in prison, he was writing from Rome, and this is to the believers at Philippi. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7, here goes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Right there it begins. Now please don't just let these words go flying past you. This is the word of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Yes, that is in the Bible. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, I'd like to say which blows your mind, (laughs) will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you really love this passage of Scripture? Raise a hand if this is one that's special to you. It is one that's really been special to me. I found myself in 2002 in really a place of despair, a place of discouragement, the death of a dream, I was not doing well, I thought I was losing my mind, I wasn't sure what was going on, I was really severely depressed. And one of the things that was pivotal in helping me was this passage of scripture, which I began to memorize and quote it time and time again when I was struggling. And so this is actually a beautiful scripture. To me personally, it is precious to me. Maybe for you, it's the same thing. The same passage of Scripture, let's read it quickly in the message translation. The message says, celebrate God all day, every day. That means rejoice in the Lord. I mean, revel in Him. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. That is so good. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. And then look at this. Before you know it, when you do that stuff, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. I love that. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Wow. You know what? It is wonderful. It is wonderful what this passage of Scripture, when the believer begins to operate on it, it is wonderful what it can do for you. And as we focus on the Lord, instead of our circumstances, it will have a powerful effect on the quality of our lives. Now, if I was to say to you, how many of you would like to have a better quality of life, a better quality of life, and in particular, a better spiritual and emotional well-being quality of life, I believe that probably everybody would raise their hands here. And I'd like to humbly submit to you that the secret to living in a greater place of well-being is found in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. Now, there are four points that I'd like to share with you. Number one, rejoice. Please say rejoice. Choosing to rejoice in the Lord is such a wonderfully positive and hugely beneficial decision. Folks, this is important. This is important. It holds immense benefits for our lives and our well-being. And I believe that if we truly realized the benefit that comes from rejoicing, we would spend far more time cultivating this discipline. Because it is a discipline that you need to cultivate. Maybe if you've just come to Christ and you're new in your walk with the Lord, you, you don't quite know how to do this, but as you begin to act on the Word over and over again, you build a spiritual discipline, a spiritual discipline of when circumstances are looking tough or good, you just rejoice in the Lord. And I want to encourage you. There's some of you that have been serving God for more than 10 years. This discipline should be more established in your life. Don't be lazy. Activate your will and choose not to get swamped by the circumstances, but say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to begin to rejoice more. I'm going to begin to rejoice more. The scripture, Philippians 4 verse 4 is on your screen. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And I believe that we should pay special attention to what Paul is saying because there's not too many places in Scripture where he repeats himself. He says, rejoice, and then he says again, rejoice. I would submit to you that in Paul's heart, this has become something very special in his heart. And he wanted others to begin to be able to live like he was living, in a place of living on top, in a place of living in victory. So this thing of rejoice in the Lord, it is one of Paul's more popular phrases of encouragement because in other scriptures, he uses similar concepts, similar phrases that are found in other passages. But in terms of this rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. I would like to submit to you that, listen to this, a secret to those few words of scripture is the following. It's the three words, in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. 
You say, John, I, have, I don't really have much to rejoice in right now with the way things are going. Well, that, that's okay because you can rejoice in the Lord. The believer always has reason to rejoice in the Lord. And one of the problems is you have to make a decision between moaning about your circumstances or rejoicing in the Lord. And there's a heaven and earth difference between those two approaches. And so I want to say to you today that you always have reason to rejoice because God is on the throne. He's a good, good father. You will always find reason to rejoice in the Lord. Please say the word, in the Lord. So no matter how dark your circumstances may be, it's always possible for a Christian to rejoice in the Lord. By the way, this passage, isn't it interesting that Paul is writing from prison? I can't imagine that the Roman prisons of the, that day were all that grandiose. <laughs> I can imagine that those prisons must have been a terrible place. And here, he, a man living on top, is writing to other people in better circumstances and encouraging them to rejoice. And so what can we learn from this? We can learn that our inner attitude does not have to reflect our outward circumstances. You see, here's the thing. Many of us, you and me together, we are waiting for our circumstances to get better before we are wanting to rejoice in the Lord. We're saying, well, I've, I've got a whole lot of debt in my life, and once I get out of debt and I pay off my bond, then I'm going to start to rejoice in the Lord. Or you might be a mom here with little kids and you're saying, well, the kids are in nappies. John, it's nach. It doesn't go well. But when the kids are out of nappies, then I'm going to start to rejoice. <laughs> All right, I, I do agree that there's reason for more rejoicing when they're out of nappies. But you see... We are waiting for circumstances to change, and God says, no, right in where you are, you need to have this attitude of rejoicing. Paul wasn't saying, guys, I'm in a little pit, I'm in prison, it's terrible, but when I get out, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> he wasn't doing that. He was saying, now, I am rejoicing. Stop waiting for circumstances to change. Some of you in a bad business partnership and you say, well, when I get out of it and we've got a court case and all of this and probably in 18 months time, then I can start to rejoice. No nonsense. You can rejoice right now in this very moment as you're listening. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. And God says that if you begin to do that, I'm going to turn things around. Now, in terms of this, how do we rejoice in the Lord? Just a practical way in terms of rejoicing in the Lord. This is kind of what I do. Well, firstly, I say the words, Lord, I rejoice in you. Isn't that a good way to start just speaking the scripture? And then what I do is I say, Lord, I lift up my heart to you. And by the way, the scripture backs that up in Psalm 25 verse 1. It says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And then thirdly, I allow my soul to find its delight in the Lord. Okay, so let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's just do this. Let's just do this. Why don't you just say this after me? I rejoice in you, Lord. 
Now, would you just lift up your heart to the Lord? Just lift up your heart. Lift up your inner person, your inner being to the Lord. And now, as you've lifted up your inner being, would you allow your heart to find its delight in Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, you just take those few moments and something begins to happen. That's just a practical way in which you can begin to step out and actively practice rejoicing in the Lord. You know, I think of Paul and Silas. I heard something shared earlier this week at the Jesus Culture worship concert that took place, which really I found quite powerful. And the pastor gave a brief word there, and he said the following. He said, listen, When Paul and Silas were in prison together, this was on another occasion, when they were in prison together, what happened was, despite them being in chains, heavily guarded, the doors of the prison closed, they began to rejoice, and they began to praise and sing hymns to God. Now listen to this, not only Did that bring freedom for themselves? The chains fell off, the prison door went open, but all of the other prisoners as well, they were freed. They weren't worshiping, but because two people, Paul and Silas, they began to take a hold of God and say, God, I'm rejoicing in you. Because of that, it affected the environment around about them. I want to tell you, your worship in your home even if you're the only one of five people in that home, can begin to infect that whole environment and can begin to bring freedom in that whole environment. The church of Jesus Christ in the city of Pretoria, Tswane, as you and I as the church of Jesus begin to worship God and rejoice and declare the lordship of Jesus can bring revival in this whole city, that prison doors in this whole city would begin to go open. It's amazing what this attitude of focusing on God, of worship, of praising Him, of rejoicing does. Number two, it's a very brief point. The undiscovered nugget of Philippians 4, here it is. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Have you noticed that phrase? And that's what it says in verse 5. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You know, sometimes you can read through a passage of Scripture, and that little phrase, you think it's just one of those uh, creative moments of Paul as his pen was just going and he's writing. But there's something in this phrase, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Now, I have discovered that many times we are struggling with strife. Please say the word strife. We are struggling with strife in our lives. Because we aren't treating people correctly. And God is saying, listen, in all of this that I want you to to break through into the peace that I bring through rejoicing and praying, you need to realize that you need to deal with people in a spirit of gentleness. By the way, do you know that that is a fruit of the Spirit? Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And so many times we have strife because we're not treating others correctly. Let me say this, if you treat your wife like a bull in a china shop, you're going to have some broken china lying all around. 
If you interact with your colleagues at work like a bulldozer, then you'll reap some harsh treatment in return. Galatians 6 verse 7, for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so I want to say to you that as children of God, we need to treat people with dignity, with consideration, and with gentleness. Number three, pray about everything that weighs on your mind. Shape your worries into prayers. Won't you say that with me? Pray about everything that weighs on your mind. Shape your worries into prayers. And the scripture is Philippians 4 verse 6. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, notice the phrase. It says, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> Ooh, that's easy, hey? You know what? It's not so easy. But we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us. You don't do this in your own strength, sir, ma'am, child of God. And the Bible, if it says, do not be anxious about anything, it is possible to live in victory in that area. Yes, the thoughts of anxiety may come, but then what you do right then determines whether they rule over you or you put them under your feet. And so I want to encourage you, won't you just take God at his word, that if he says, do not be anxious about anything, that you realize that it is possible to live in victory in this area. John R. Rice says the following, worry is put in a question mark where God has put a full stop. Bishop Fulton Sheen says, this is quite a tough one, worry is a form of atheism for it portray, portrays a lack of faith and trust in God. Goodness me. In, in terms of the whole process that can end up with somebody getting into a place of being a, a nervous breakdown or a complete full-blown stress situation, how does that whole process begin? Well, this is how it starts. It starts with thoughts of concern in the mind. And then you begin to dwell on those thoughts and then it becomes worry. Then it moves beyond worry and it becomes anxiety. Then it can become fear. Then it can become that your sleep is affected. Your health is affected. Then your relationships start to become affected. You start to be dysfunctional and able to deal with everybody around you. And then it can end up at full-blown stress or even a nervous breakdown. But where did it all start? It started with thoughts of concern. Thoughts of concern that instead of taking those things captive and beginning to give them to the Lord, you began to dwell on them and think, I must think on these things. Folks, I want to say to you that you do have to activate your will. When you are lying awake at night and something is bothering you as you're trying to fall asleep, I want to say activate your will that you will determine right there and make a choice and then God will help you with that choice as you say, I'm not going to be anxious about these things, but instead I am going to pray about these things. The only way that we can get it right to not be anxious is if we take it to God in prayer. Listen to this. By an act of the will, we must choose to take those racing thoughts and concerns captive 
and speak to God about them. There's an old hymn which says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's carry it. Let's carry it. And so I want to encourage you that you would have the liberty to pray to God about these things. Sometimes people think, well, maybe I should only pray about big things like changing a job or, or moving a city. But I've discovered that the Lord loves that you would speak to Him about all these little things that you're facing in your life. You've got a child at school and they're struggling with getting along with the teacher and there's a bit of tension there. It might not be the biggest thing, but you know, why don't you just pray about that and watch God go to work in that situation? And so I want to say, simply put, this verse is saying, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Why don't you please tell the person next to you, pray about everything. Tell them that. Pray about everything. And we shouldn't feel guilty when we bring even the smallest thing before the Lord, because He cares about everything. Let me tell you, yesterday morning I woke up. And uh, my wife and kids were still in bed. I was up fairly early. And as I got up and you know, got all warmly dressed, got my beanie on, it's getting cold these mornings, uh, and I just realized there were some things in my heart that weren't settled, some things that were bugging me. So I thought, I I've got to pray about this. So I took maybe just 10 minutes, sat on my, I got a little chair in my study where I prepare from. And uh, on this chair, I popped my legs up on the little footstool and so on, and I just began to give those things to the Lord. It wasn't a burning bush experience. Uh, it wasn't angels singing. It was nothing like that. I was just giving it to the Lord. I said, Lord, this thing. I said, Lord, this thing as well. I need your help. Give me understanding. Give me wisdom in the situation. And you know what? What was I doing? I was just presenting my request to the Lord. I was making my petitions known to the Lord. And I can tell you, as surely as I stand here, I began to feel so much better within a short space of time. Because you know what? As we pray about everything, we're inviting God to be involved in every area. Come on, say amen. amen. Now, the last point is a brief one. Number four, enjoy God's peace. It is fully able to protect your mind. Won't you say that with me, please? Enjoy God's peace. It is fully able to protect your mind. Heart and mind, sorry. So this is the nice part because we don't have to do anything in terms of this now. We just sit back and allow God's promise of peace to flow over us because we've been meeting the criteria earlier on in the Scripture. And in verse 7, it's on your screen, it says, And the God of peace, which transcends, sorry, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will God. Please say the word God. Say it a little louder. God. Will God your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, in order for us to enjoy the promise of peace that is spoken of in verse 7, all we have to do is make sure that we are rejoicing and praying. That's pretty simple. That's not too hard. As we are rejoicing 
and giving the things to the Lord in prayer, then he says, I step into the situation. And I bring peace so much so that it actually guards your heart and your mind. And it's important, this term God, because God is actually, G-U-A-R-D, is a military term. And God says that I will literally defend your mind. If you will be rejoicing and if you will be praying, I take responsibility to defend your mind and to defend and safeguard your heart as well. And you know what, folks? I think we all need that. I need it. How many of you can say you need God to guard your heart and mind? Praise the Lord. Verse 7, the same verse in the Amplified, uh, it puts it beautifully. It says, and God's peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison. Garrison sounds to me like one of those big armies of the 1600s or something. Shall garrison and mount God over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you know what, folks? I think it's so wonderful that our wonderful Heavenly Father has thought of everything because, you know what, there are times when the bombardment of thoughts is almost too much to handle, and God says, you know what, I'm going to establish a garrison. I'm going to mount a God, not only over your mind, but over your heart as well, and I'm going to protect you from the bombardment of the enemy because I love you. I love to strengthen my people. And so it's wonderful to know that God helps us. And in this age in which we're living in, where there are high levels of anxiety, God has given you, the people of God, a remedy. And he says, simply put, you just rejoice in me and you give these things to me in prayer. And I promise to God you with peace. Isn't the Lord good Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Amen.